name's Chad Hagen, and I am the host, writer, and co-producer of Deep Dive. These next few episodes are called The Myth of California, and we've organized them in a way that we're able to talk to a number of experts about a number of abnormalities, facts, and issues that have made up the myth of California. I firmly believe that there's two American dreams in America. There's the American dream, and then there's the California version of the American dream. The California version of the American dream originated out of California's propaganda machine, which originally revolved around gold and and silver and oil. And then eventually it became Hollywood and economic opportunity and lifestyle and a way of escaping American conventionality. On this episode, we have Dan Macris. Dan Macris is a marijuana entrepreneur. He's been in the CBD and THC, legal CBD and legal THC world for at least a decade, if not more. I've known Dan Macris for 25 years. He's a great friend. And he's also a straight shooter and an ethical business guy. I'm really excited to have him on, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening. Dan, you spent some time in California, mm-hmm. and you know the, the industry well out there. And as discussed earlier, marijuana is one of California's largest cash crops. Right. So if you can... And I guess we'll start with maybe the legal market. Tell us what you witnessed from a legal and illegal cannabis situation in California. Just to preface some of the stuff so that the context is there. I had a really unique opportunity. How old was I? Like 35? Because we had started the uh, legally legal medical in Georgia, cannabis in Georgia. And then after running that for a couple of years, I got to move to California with no job other than learn work play in the cannabis world at that time it was only legal medically so there was not recreational or adult use whatever you call it now so i called uh i have a cousin who was already out there pretending to work in that industry (laughs) i mean he, he so yeah i moved out there and lived in a indoor operation lived in an outdoor operation in a tent for about a month but also uh, as an adult that was relatively responsible, I also lived like a true California. Well, I, I lived the Southerner or the East Coast person's version of a real California lifestyle. I was a really Californian. I even did yoga. I drank overpriced coffee. <laughs> I pretended to. Had a lot of different fusion types of foods. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but but it was always Mexican and Asian at the yeah. end. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say, like. Uh, Mexican and Asian fusion. Yeah. So like really like the, uh, yeah, it was fun though. No, no. So it was fun. So, um, you know, I got there and started off and the first thing we did was went up into the mountains down in, uh, we stayed at, uh, at a national park. Like we had a campsite and you were in North California. Yeah. Right? This was in Northern California. North Cal- I lived in Sacramento for like four months. And then I lived in a little city called Auburn, California for like five or six months. Uh, I was there for almost a year in total, but that first like month we were in, I think we were in Humboldt. I think we were in Southern Humboldt or Northern Mendocino. It was over like the lost coast, like where they filmed the Ewoks or the Jurassic park or something, Fern Canyon or something. Super cool. 
And at that point, I was working on an outdoor grow that these uh, Mexican guys ran. And it was big. And they had like 20 of them. And each of them were maxed out at like 999 plants. So they were big operations. So they would harvest two, 3,000 pounds per season. Greenhouse or outdoor? This is straight up outdoor. Okay, well. It was like a real operation. I mean, they had, like I said, about a dozen or so. And then I also had a little indoor 250 plant indoor grow that I worked. And then we made, we learned how to do bubble wax or ice wax rather than bubble hash. And I sold all the products in the dispensaries. Could you explain what bubble hash is? Yeah, yeah. Bubble hash or ice wax or water hash. It's like the truly, it's a solventless. You remember it. Remember we used to set it was like the beige powder. We would take the plants that we would, we'd trim them, take all the trimming. And while it was still green, we would freeze it to try to preserve the terpenes and keep them really good. And uh, like, it still smelled like fresh green uh, weed. And then we would take this, we had a little washing machine. Well, it was actually a bubble hash maker, but it was effectively a washing machine with the thing took out in like a series of bags with filters. You load the hash into it with ice water and dry ice. So it's cold. So you freeze up the little trichrome so they don't get sticky. It shake, you wash it. So they all like fall off of the leaf and then you filter it and then it smells and tastes like pure and it's like it's and then you have different forms of it it's like different colors and it's it's just rolled out as a wax and that's why you call it wax and yeah yeah it's like solventless and obviously it's very popular now whenever i'm in colorado it's just it's one of the main things it's it's the strongest most natural thing there's stuff that's stronger like the diamonds are stronger the ba like you know the extracts from hydrocarbons are more pure it's like 90 plus percent thc this stuff maybe tops out of like 65 percent, but you're not using any chemicals to get it other than ice water so it's like the cleanest strongest Cool. No, yeah. I just wanted to jump over that. So you can, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can ramble. So keep give a deep track. dive on what it is. Does it take some science to make that? It takes some manufacturing know-how, right? Yeah, so was, I just wanted to kind of there was know, tricks. highlight like that. Back then, this was 2014. So back then, if you could keep your hash blonde, the dispensaries, instead of paying like $6 a gram, they would pay like $12 or $15 a gram. And none of these dipshits knew. But if you want to talk about like the shortcomings of a Californian. I don't know if lazy is the right word, but they're sitting there. You have 40 million of them, right? Pot's legal. And none of them can figure out how to keep their hash from turning brown or black. <laughs> and I'm out there for like- So a, not the same as the winemakers. No, no, no <laughs> not yet. Maybe the first generation of winemakers where they're like- They're like, they're like sour got, mash. <laughs> yeah, they're mixing corn with it. It took me about like a 30 minute Google investigation to figure out what causes your your hash to go dark versus blonde. And it was dumb. When you break the trichomes, they oxidize and they turn dark, just like every other thing. When it oxidizes, it gets dark. So you're like, well, <laughs> but people are like, how are you going to keep from busting the trichomes? And I'm like, I'm going to do a lot of yoga and meditation. No. So I, I, I would take the patch. Just keep it from oxidizing. Right? Well, yeah. But how do you take it from a big clump? into sellable units like grams and move mm. it around without breaking these very, very fragile things. You got to, okay, what I'm talking about oxidizing, you know, when you look at weed in a microscope, those little orbs of liquid. Yes. Those are the trichomes. That's where everything you want in the plant is, right? So there's like when they're at room temperature, it's like gooey. That's what like the sticky icky. Well, once they pop and it takes like that much pressure, they open up, they turn dark. You don't get, it doesn't get any weaker. It just is ugly. So I was like, well, we just have to keep from breaking them. So I just figured out, I was like, well, 
I filter out the little patties that look like turkey burgers. They're like this big. I throw them in a freezer while they were still wet. Then the next day when they were hard like hockey pucks, I would put them in a salad shooter and grate them out on parchment paper so I wasn't breaking any trichomes. Cool. Leaving them to dry. And then once they dried out, you could just, you know, it was like working with powder. You were gentle. Like if you sat there and mashed your thumb into it, it would go dark, but you were just baby it blonde hash all day long. But yeah, there's 39 million people, cannabis experts, and none. Of, and it took me 35 minutes to figure it out. It took me longer to figure out how to buy a salad shooter in, like without the infomercials. That might be some of the issues that we're wanting to highlight is that I can pull up my notes here. Oh, if you want to talk about the dumbness of the laws, remember about that was technically a felony, even in California. In 1972, that was the nation's first, or that was California's first ballot initiative to legalize cannabis, Proposition 19. Obviously, it was unsuccessful. Proposition 215, 1996, that was the California law permitting the use of medical cannabis. Obviously, the rest of America was able to to watch the friction between the DEA and California for a, a long mm-hmm. time, right? But that kind of gray market framework is kind of what plays into the myth of California. You talk about, okay, weed's legal. And then it's like, well, it's in a medical capacity. And then, by the way, you don't have this strong framework around yeah. guaranteeing that everything is made properly. Okay, perfect. Right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And I operated under 215. That's what we operated, Prop 215, because the, the legal one wasn't. And obviously, you're a professional and a good actor in this world, right? Yeah, So I it's like you were making things. Clean, correctly. Right, exactly. Yes, I tried. I, w- I mean, I, I didn't knowingly ever do anything putting vitamin E oil in a vape. So the way it worked, you would go to the doctor, like a cannabis recommend, like a doctor, they advertise like everywhere. You like the Sacramento B, it'd be like cannabis recommended. So it wasn't like a regular doctor visit. Typically it was more like, like, like what the old pill mills looked like. You'd be probably a rough part of town and bars on the window and you go in and then you'd fill out some paperwork and then they'd be like, what's wrong with you? You're like... I want to do things as legally as possible. They're like, perfect. And you're, and you have anxiety. You're like, well, yeah, of course. So they would, it'd be like $25 for the wreck. And then when you're checking out, they would be like, Hey, do you want to buy any pounds? And I'm like, wait, you guys sell product here? They're like, no, no, for your license. And I'm like, what do you mean? So then you could buy up to like five extra pounds for you to have for like $25 a pound or $50. And so the doctor would then recommend pounds of marijuana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking about marijuana. Pounds? Pounds. Okay. Like 450 grams, 448, whatever. Yeah. So no, it was ridiculous. So basically what that law, so like- I I didn't know that. I was, and then you can also buy with each pound, you could have like another 10 plants or something. So like after I left- So each license not only gave you the ability to go into a store and purchase products, it gave you the ability to cultivate it? Yeah. Okay. But then you can build upon it. So like me personally, I was allowed to have like- four or five pounds and like 40 plants. But then what the trick was, not the trick, what the system was is you would go find other patients and be like, hey, can I be your caregiver? And they'd be like, I don't know what that means. They're like, you sign this piece of paper and I'll give you an eighth. And they're like, oh, word. And then they would sign it over. And then you were allowed to also possess their thing like their three pounds and their 40 plants so now i can have six pounds and a hundred plants but in atlanta you can have an ounce yeah in atlanta <laughs> yeah. you get outside the city of the limits of atlanta and you have to deal with that jurisdiction you okay could go to jail for an ounce of pot outside of the city of atlanta i mean certain parts of georgia you get a lot of trouble yeah and depending on what county it is 
I mean, you may get in serious trouble. Oh, yeah. And to give a pr- pr- frame of reference, yeah. I mean, if Roswell busts you where we are, and then you get down in Fulton County and it's announced, you know, give me a break. That'll be a misdemeanor. But if you're if you're in some place that we just do yeah, not know about. Woodstock? Yeah, that could be with Cherokee County, which is a neighboring county here. That could be totally different. Or coming, yeah. Or think about there's that county on the way to Athens that or that was to dry county. Oh, Jefferson, maybe? I don't know. They would not be okay with some weed. <laughs> An ounce. Oh, no, they'd have the cops posing in front of it with machine guns. Might have a gun drawn on you. <laughs> no, so, to get, I guess so, but yeah, but for reference, so one ounce, obviously, like we were talking about, in the metropolitan city of Atlanta, city limits of Atlanta, rather. But in California, you're saying with a medical marijuana license, you're able to have how many pounds? Okay, the standard cheapest license was like 12 plants and like a half a pound or something. Okay. That, but, you, but you could pay extra to get them to recommend that you need more because your condition was so bad. And then based on being a caregiver, then you by could, representing other people, so you could possibly have like the authority. By the time I left, I had the paperwork to have something ridiculous, like 267 pounds and like... 1200 plants growing i mean is that on your possession technically yeah i mean that's what it means it like, means that yeah, if you're we, caught with this it's okay because yeah, you're in the i would law, have i would take the, the, parameters the paperwork of the law. That, yeah the paperwork that the man would sign like the patient would sign you kept it laminated in a binder that's serious so if the police pulled you over and they're like hey you have 50 pounds of cannabis here you're like well actually this is not that much because i'm entitled to have a lot more and then you show them i got pulled over when i was leaving jeff hayashi's house in santa cruz with five pounds and i only had paperwork on me for three and I was texting and driving because while well, I was looking for a bathroom, but it was hands free back then. And the cop pulled me over and he's like, he saw a pipe or something. I'm like, Carson, you have any drugs on you? And I'm like, I have cannabis. Does that count? He's like, mm, how much? And I was like, not a lot, just a few pounds. And I opened up the trunk and he's like looking at it. I showed him the paperwork and he's like, it says here you only can have 48 ounces but here it looks like these are five i'm like yeah it's it's i don't have the paperwork for all of them but i've got it i can get the lawyer to send it to you and he's like nah i'm much more concerned about you driving and texting rather than that i'm like oh cool so nothing i got a ticket for the hands free okay think about that five that's really interesting yeah that's a that's a crazy reality in 2014 this wasn't like yesterday wow so i mean obviously we can see how that would attract people from all over the world yeah let alone America. And, and then when you get to the black market, which the black market is, I think it's the black market. I'll have to look at my notes again. But as said earlier, marijuana is one of California's largest cash crops. Mm-hmm. That's serious. California is a very big agricultural producer. So whatever you're willing to share within what you saw on the black market, please feel free. Well, uh, back then the black, okay. The black market was very diverse. It, was anything from some missing tooth Northern California redneck with like three plants in his backyard to Mexican guys that I think were cartel probably mm. that I got talked about earlier where they, they have like this plot of 100 plants, but then they have 20 or 30 of them in the surrounding areas. So like a black market guy could be doing like eight ounces a month to like 5,000 pounds a month. But believe it or not, the uh, a lot of them were technically still legal under the law of the the state laws of California. Obviously, the DEA and the feds wouldn't have cared. Right. But um, yeah. So the black and there are illegal grow ops. Yeah, well, it's one of the issues. Uh, something like that national forest. That's something that I have a big issue with because the amount. I mean, just like 
cooking meth, it's an environmental disaster. Well, they cut down all the trees to get a sunny spot, and right. then they don't really care about what they're putting into the water. And they wanted to keep pests away, so they have poison all around. Yeah. And they steal water. It's really terrible. And, that, and that's something that irritates me about the state of California. I mean, not to get off on a tangent, but obviously w- w- their environmental policy can be really good, but then you have that sort of situation. It's yeah, like, I never you gotta saw clean that, that up. Every, yeah. The, but that happens, and that's why I just wanted to mention. Yeah, that. no, that's bullshit. No, but that's you did. But, but what you noticed was a lot of players with a lot of weed, the diverse players, possible organized crime, guaranteed. But it was legal-ish. I mean, obviously not fully controlled by organized crime, but no. but organized crime was in the Influence. market. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Well, why wouldn't they be? I mean, they were they already were in the business. Why not go legal? I mean, especially if you can have pounds and pounds on your like possession. thousands of pounds. Yeah. Why wouldn't legally? You? Yeah. I mean, there. It, it it kind of invites that, right? I mean, there's you know there's a I know there's a I forgot I forgot the specifics, but there was a murder in one part of California, Humboldt, California, actually, mm-hmm. or that area, and the the cops basically said this is not just a county in America, this is a county that is on the world stage, and you have organized crime coming here to produce weed and drugs mm-hmm. in this county, so. We just can't pinpoint who killed those people. Right? Humboldt County is weird. They're, they were just like, this is not just some Podoc County. Like the world is coming here. If you're going, this is a drug producing. If you're area. going up north on like on the five, you pass through like real California, where it's like almost unpaved roads and meth people. Then all of a sudden, you cross over into <laughs> meth people. Well, dude, they have a huge like Oroville and yeah. Like, there was I do Utah remember City. obviously California and I mean there's dude, drug the problems of all over. Anarchy was based on California. Yeah, yeah. Like the normal part, not the, the part we all dream about. No, so you're going on five, and it's like all shitty, and then you cross into Humboldt County, and it's like. The 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 interstate turns into the Audubon. There's like twelve layers of perfectly black, smooth asphalt and big fancy decorative street lights on the interstate. Oh wow. Oh yeah, because of all the money. But then when you go into town, everything is weird. Like you'll go to the Home Depot and you'll walk in and there's just pallets of like nitro gloves, Fisker trimming shears, food saver bags. Nobody talks to each other. Everybody's in small little cliques and everybody looks at each other weird. Like side-eyed, you know what I'm talking about? Like this one. Yeah, yeah. No, everybody's sure. suspecting everybody else. I mean, it's it. What you're saying is it's a weird vibe for sure. Dude is so uncomfortable, and it's it's just it's that mix, if not complete black market vibe, right? Where you're like, uh oh. Yeah, it's what like is you this? remember. Like, is this guy my competitor? Is this gonna trust this person? Or is he gonna rob me? Yeah. Or yeah, yeah. It's really weird. Like, and people they also are like, hey, don't go wander around the woods by yourself. Don't. don't so I've friends. heard that. I've heard that from multiple people. No, like when you're in you. these areas of NorCal, it's like, do not. No, don't go like, hiking. Right. You're going to stumble upon something. They're going to kill you. They could. Yeah. And they have like, I don't know about Which the is very... traps. You know how you hear about them taking like rattlesnakes and cutting off their rattles and then tying them to a tree. <laughs> like, I don't know if I believe that. That's kind of a. But yeah, no. When I was younger, I used to hear that about Jamaica. And I don't know how true that was. It was like, it was right when we were traveling age, right? Like 15, 16, 17. They're like, now if you go to Jamaica for some reason. Don't go in the mountains looking around for weed. You're going to stumble upon someone and they're going <laughs> to cut you up with a machete. Right. And it's like, okay. I think that's just more about Jamaica. Yeah. General. I mean, like going to Haiti. Who, who knows? I mean, the Caribbean obviously is a, is a whole other place, but that was, you always <laughs> heard that was a, and I love the Caribbean, but you always heard that that was, you know, weed was grown there. Right. But, and so that was the only experience I had hearing a story like that as an East coaster. But when you talk about NorCal 
or I guess maybe the whole state of California and these illegal grow ops run by bad dudes. It's a legitimate situation. Well, yeah, it's, and I don't even want to know if it's, if you want to call them bad dudes. I mean, that means calling if go to Texas and go hang around some man's cows and see how long it takes before it gets weird. They're protecting their livelihood. True. I mean, you make a really good point there. And I'm glad you said that because, you know, in America, if you own the property, do you really own it unless you can keep people off of it? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I guess the situation is it's California because of this. Proposition 215 just opened up the entire state to the world coming in to to get in the marijuana industry. Uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Because there was it was so unrestricted. It was you could make it whatever you wanted it to be, whether it's like just a little homegrown for you and your family, your friends to like uh, the other thing we didn't get into is. Of all the big grows and big harvests and like big quantities of cannabis that I saw. I don't remember hardly any of it staying in California. Like mm. they would be like, it'd be like a rider truck and they'd be loading up. I mean, I'm not going to say any names, but they were loading up a thousand pounds. I'm like, where are you going to take all this? So like New York. So it was going to New York, to Atlanta, to Chicago. And I'm sure everybody knows that already. But I, I, yeah. I really would be curious to know like how much of the cannabis produced in California stays in California. I heard statistics back then that like 80% of it, like didn't even stay home. That would be an interesting statistic to see. And, and you know, the exports of and the domestic get, exports. And it even gets into places like Colorado and stuff who have like an impenetrable seed to sale system. <laughs> right. I was just thinking about how uncool California or Colorado's legitimate or, you know, Colorado. what am I saying? They're, it's just so locked in. It's so uncool. That you're like, you know what? I, I'm glad you guys do it this way because it's you totally have it it buttoned up. But at the same time, I would never invest and get involved in that. Oh no, it's like it's like they took something that should have been very very cool and made it so uncool. Like they should have been like Puritans. Yeah, I don't. I mean, obviously, we're talking about California here. I love Colorado to death. I don't know. I mean, at the same time, if you go to Denver, you're just like, okay, we got some heavy drug users in this downtown. <laughs> I was there this uh, last summer. Before I went up to Breckenridge, and I was like, my goodness, there's like, everyone's just using heroin. <laughs> walking, you know, you're like, it's just, it's really sad. Yeah, so, there's zombies over here. Like, yeah, I mean, that that's a whole nother thing. Does, obviously I'm for marijuana decriminalization and, and having a, a legal framework around it. But, but Colorado is just, is a whole nother level. That's the seed to sale. You're like, all right, fine. What's an interesting thing? There's got to be a happy in between, right? Because California is just way too freewheeling. And now you've got recreational legalized. Well, that and that brings that's going to bring us to what I was getting ready to say about like California is on paper now kind of strict ish as mm -hmm. Colorado. But the biggest thing that I saw from the black market guys. The dumb ones were excited about legalization. I was like, you guys don't realize it's going to hurt you because then all of a sudden, once the state recognizes this and they expect their, to get taxes That'd from like you, Colorado. they're going to start bothering you. Like, no, they don't bother us because right now it's illegal. They're not entitled to anything of it. But when they're entitled to 30% of what you're making and you're not paying taxes, they're probably going to care a little more. And I don't know if that if that came true, but back to this point right here, you've been to Colorado, you go in there and you're like, oh, this this looks good and smells good. Let me buy a quarter of the driest weed I've ever bought. <laughs> and then they ring you up and it's like $148. And you're like, for, for 
five. No, I just got a quarter. And yeah, it was like, oh, the quarter was 90, but then there's like 48% state right. tax. And that's like this cartridge here, $70 price tag, a little steep, but yeah. it was $94, $25. And that goes into like, people are like, they said that legalizing pot would eliminate the black market. You're like, well, it could have, but when you have 30% taxes, yeah, there's still sure. margins to make. No, for sure. That's that. That's really interesting. That's the end of episode one with Dan Macris. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with episode two soon. <laughs>